You are listening to the Ortho Idea Podcast, where we bring you the newest trends in orthopedic technology. Tune in for engaging interviews with medical device executives, surgeons, and surprise special guests discussing new disruptive technology in the marketplace. Here is your host, Eric Anderson. Thanks, everyone, for joining the Ortho Idea Podcast. I am your host, Eric Anderson, and I am honored today to have Matthew Scott on the podcast. He is the Principal and Managing Director of Feed the Agency. It's a, Feed is an award-winning well, healthcare brand agency engaging doctors and dentists who want to creatively differentiate themselves in their local marketplace and the mindset of their ideal patients. So without be, that being said, and that with no further ado, please welcome Matthew Scott. Matthew, how hey, are you today? Eric, it's great. I know that you and I tread along some of the same pathway back in the day. And so the fact that you and I get to just link up today is great. Yeah, absolutely. Looking forward to it. I follow you on LinkedIn and obviously you put out some fantastic content. So I really appreciate you taking time out of your busy schedule to come on the podcast today. Yeah. Thanks for asking me. Sure. Absolutely. So what I always ask everybody right at the top, tell me a little bit about Feed and yourself and what your organization does, and we can go from there. So Feed began in 2008. At the time, I was working for a advertising agency, and I did my, we were working on healthcare brands, and I did my best Jerry Maguire speech of like, grab your goldfish, follow me. And all I heard was people saying, do you offer healthcare insurance? I mean, it was a scene out of Jerry Maguire. And of course I didn't, and nobody came. So I started in the biggest recession at that time, Feed the Agency. And the idea was that we would be a unique healthcare brand agency that would essentially be the advertising agency, the brand agency that surgeons, in particular specialty surgeons, never knew that they could afford. And so we began our agency as we've grown, really serving the business needs of private practice surgeons. And from that, that launched us to be able to help medical device companies. So the way that I bracket this is that we find that many medical device sales and marketing leaders, you're competing in an old way of thinking. Traditional trade shows, you're burning cash on, you know, traditional product marketing, and you're competing on pricing. And so what we decided to do was to help distributors grow their business by helping surgeons understand that we can help you to grow your practice. And so we made that pivot and we ultimately are working with surgeons to help them differentiate their message. You know, the the problem is that if you're one of 17 orthopedic surgeons in Louisville, Kentucky, and you're competing on the old norm, which is with enough time and with enough money and with enough traditional marketing, you're going to be able to attract more patients. But what we learned early on is that surgeons, while this may sound contrary, they're not looking for more patients. Rather, they're looking for more ideal patients. So we made a decision that we would prominently be at the intersection of understanding how patients think and how they make decisions on their private practice surgeons to the degree that we took and co-launched a software 
And every month, Eric, we have over 475,000 patient feedback requests. We study how patients think, what makes them happy, what makes them unsatisfied along the healthcare journey. And we use that intelligence to help our clients, which are private practice primarily, private practice surgical specialists ranging from orthopedics, neurosurgery, spine, cardiovascular, vascular. And then we serve for medical device companies to help them share stories that doctors want to listen to. Well, thank you very much. And and, and like I said, I've, I follow you on LinkedIn. Obviously, we've, we've known each other for several years, way back in the day when we were sitting as managers and, and different upper-level mm-hmm. management people in, in orthopedic companies. And you're right, things have changed dramatically. What are some of the strategies that feed, what do you use when you're, t- when you're speaking to a practice? Yeah, so we're pretty particular about the surgeons that we work with, primarily because we have developed a formula that we call the BrandRx process. And the BrandRx process is something that we have developed as a branded and proprietary protocol that allows us to understand the needs of most private practice surgeons. And basically, that hypothesis and premise is built on the fact that trust is your currency. If you're an orthopedic surgeon and you're listening to me right now, trust is your currency, building patient trust. Now, that part there is going to be common sense for you. But I would submit to you, doctor, that most of you are not using that to integrate with your marketing. And as such, what we've done is we've gone to private practice surgeons and we've said, we're going to take trust and we're going to wrap it in every single patient touch point that you have. And literally your reputation going from brand awareness to building authority, you're going to spend less money on marketing. You're going to spend less time going from brand awareness to being regarded as the specialist within your specialty. And if you're a private practice surgeon, there is not a patient in America. Again, this is almost, you know, a half a million patient feedback requests every single month. I've never once had a patient submit on a patient feedback that they awaken in the morning and they're looking for a full service orthopedic surgeon. They are looking for the specialist within the specialty. So what we've done uniquely is we've taken this brand RX process And we've said, we know what you need as far as clarifying your language. We're going to help you differentiate yourself authentically, compliantly, and creatively. So you're being perceived as different because the truth of the matter in branding is better is not better. Different is better. And the mistake that most of you as private practice orthopedic surgeons are making is that you're trying to go down this pathway of best practices, which is you talk almost exclusively about what you do, and therein lies the problem. Most other orthopedic surgeons are also talking about what they do, and it turns out that pathology meets procedure. You're talking about the same stuff, so it's no wonder that patients are more confused than ever. So we do that. And then our range of services with locations in Las Vegas, San Diego, and Northwest Arkansas are everything from brand strategy. We have something that we call the brand report, where we work with practices to, as a team to help them to clarify their message and differentiate what they do 
in the mindset of their ideal patient. We build websites. Pre-COVID, Eric, we were traveling somewhere around the country for medical device companies and surgeons. Somewhere in the country, we were averaging at least five videos a week. So we do anything related to storytelling, anything related to campaigns, a campaign being defined as I'm an orthopedic spine surgeon or I'm an orthopedic sports medicine and I'm located in Orange County, California. How do I have the intelligence? How do I have the experience to attract more eyeballs that pre-qualify my patients so that I'm spending less money, but more time with my more ideal patients? So that's the breadth of what we do. Well, thank you very much. And, and I appreciate you going into detail about what you do because, and you'd mentioned not only working with, with surgeon practices, but working with medical device companies. And on this podcast, we have several distributors, medical device executives, and people of that nature. So you being a brand expert and working with medical device companies, can you talk about a little bit about what you do in that arena? Yeah, I'd be happy to do that. And Eric, because you and I come from that world of medical device, this will be a conversational piece. First of all, let's talk about what I see medical device companies doing today. Most medical device companies are set up as product marketing experts. And therein lies the problem is that most medical device companies are putting all of their budget on traditional methods of marketing trade shows, product marketing brochures, animated explanatory videos. Everybody else in that space is doing the same thing. And so where the challenge becomes is, and the shift that I think we're getting ready to see, and it's part of what we've been doing for the past several years, is to say to medical device companies, you think that you're selling products, but the truth is, is you must be solving problems. And that extends from the distributor 1099, who's representing a certain product line. It includes medical device companies. Now, I'm uncertain about the pivot and the swiftness of that pivot that I see traditional medical device companies. But here's what I know for certain, Eric. If you're a young, innovative medical device company and you've got 3% of market share, there has never been a better time to pivot to double down on brand awareness, to reframe what lead generation looks like by being able to develop content and by being able to develop essentially demand generation that allows you to have better qualified leads. Because post COVID-19, if you're a distributor, you're in trouble. If your medical device company says, all right, we can go back to trade shows. There's a pivot that is taking place, Eric, and I'm not sure that some of the larger medical device companies are ready for that pivot. But there is a 3%, a 5%, a 10% innovative medical device company out there, and they have made that pivot. They're going to teach their distributors virtual selling. They're going to conduct marketing that is essentially going to ask the most frequently asked questions. They're going to engage in virtual selling. They're going to invest in regional distributorships so that the training and the marketing is not so dependent upon flying a doctor to San Diego or Memphis and hoping they have a good time, feeding them well, and then putting them in a cadaver lab. 
those days are going to pivot. But my prediction, Eric, is that many of the slow moving medical device companies, they're going to say, this is great business as usual. And there's never been a better opportunity to pivot. I 100% agree with you. And we had this conversation in preparation for talking about the podcast. And and I, you and I are on the same wavelength because the old model of a medical device company strictly relying on a sales representative and their relationship, although it is paramount. And I will not in any way, shape or form take away from that. That is is on the front lines, but there's got to be a way to connect with a surgeon and or customer and or hospital in a different way moving forward. And so I appreciate that because I totally agree. And what it's a really thinking? it's a really good question that you ask, Eric. And the reason why it's a good question is because it goes to what is the relationship between surgeons and hospitals and the medical device company at large. I think that that relationship is getting ready to be regionalized and reframed. And it's exciting. If you're 1099, if you're a distributorship and you recognize that Dr. Smith, who is from Chicago, he's part of the Chicago tribe, and you can set up a distributorship that knows that Dr. Smith wants to live and live well in Chicago and you're part of that as opposed to depending upon a medical device company to provide everything, you're going to win. You're going to win coming out of COVID. I couldn't agree more. And I think as we were starting to watch this before COVID happened, where obviously the R&D budgets of large medical device companies is almost gone. And so these quite a few small technology device companies were coming to marketplace and and I had the opinion that they were struggling to to effectively brand themselves and to get just awareness about the products because you know as everyone knows I am we are a medical device distributorship extremity surgical and I was amazed at how many surgeons would turn to me about a product that we were talking about or might possibly represent and they would have no idea what I was talking about nothing yeah couldn't even Absolutely. tell me couldn't tell me what it was had no idea and so that. The prior way of these medical device organizations sitting down and talking to a surgeon or like you said, flying them to San Diego or to, you know, Memphis, Tennessee, I just, they don't have the time to do that as a surgeon these days. And I think it's going to change. So that's, I appreciate your feedback on that. Not only is it going to change, Eric, but what you and I can witness on LinkedIn, et cetera, is... I really believe that medical device companies in part, not all of them, but a majority of them are looking at Zoom and they're simply doing the same old stuff. They're just doing it with Zoom Mm. where innovative companies are going to pivot is they're going to reframe the dependency that surgeons have on product marketing, et cetera. And here's the big idea if you're a medical device company and what I would submit Eric, is that have your guests go on LinkedIn and look at the standard medical device webinar. Dr. Smith, you're invited to attend a webinar. Here's what you will find, because we've done the analytics on this. You will find that 95% of those webinars, they're about products. And the truth of the matter is, is that spending all of your time doing the same thing, which is product marketing, 
it's a little bit tone deaf. And the reason why it's tone deaf, and we talk to our surgeon clients, which are some of the top orthopedic and neurosurgery clients, what they're saying to us is, is this is not the time to talk pathology meets product. This is the time to talk about practice building and problem solving and what can we expect from, you know, reps in the OR, COVID? What can we expect as to how you pivoted and how you're reframing traditional education? They're looking for that. And I submit to you that based on my observation, most companies are doing the same thing. Come to a webinar and we're going to talk about a pedicle screw come to a webinar and we're going to talk about, you know, a new distal radius plate that we have. And I submit to you that surgeons want and expect different. I agree. And I will tell you, I just received an invite from a medical device company and I'll share it at a later time, but they are doing a webinar today for PGY fours and fives about your first job as you come out of residency. And it has Nothing to do with product, nothing to do with product. And I was so impressed. I literally received that this morning in an email. So I thought I'd share that. And yeah, I salute that company, Eric. I, they are going to pivot and they are going to cut through the signal versus noise. And what I would suggest is that they think through in terms rather specifically perspective, process, protocol. And what happens is that if you think through perspective process protocol, it forces you as a company to explain your distinct point of view. And then it allows surgeons to hear your explanation of here's what we're going to do next. And at that point, when you go through perspective process protocol, you then have been able to cut through the clutter. And at that point, you can begin thinking through procedure and product But most medical device companies are doing the reverse. They're just saying, hey, doctors are interested in a new surgical technique. They're not. We know because we're we're working with some of the leading ones. They're thinking about how to keep their staff. They're thinking about how is the supply chain logistics going to be interrupted? What does this next space look like? Hey, what are you going to do to help me in Chicago, Illinois, or Louisville, Kentucky, or Orange County to be able to grow my business? And there are some medical device companies that are listening to you and I right now, Eric, and they are on it. They are like, this is a David versus Goliath story, and they're going to pivot, and they're going to do great. Well, and in, in speaking about that, what do you see as maybe a little bit of a you know, another way to look at this for a 1099 or a, a medical device distributor, how would you recommend, and obviously we're not going to conquer it in this podcast, but, you know, some suggestions on how they brand themselves or what they can do in representing a medical device organization? Yeah, I'm really glad that you asked me that question because you and I have been a part of distributorships and perhaps the way of thinking for many distributorships is that you view yourself as an extension to one or a few manufacturers. What I think is getting ready to happen is I think that the top distributorships moving forward, they're going to be much more entrepreneurial rather than entrepreneurial. And what I think is getting ready to happen is I think that the best of the best, most profitable distributorships, they're going to look more like my brand agency 
than the traditional distributorship. And let me unpack that for just a minute. I think that what traditional distributorships who were beholden to a manufacturer of one product line, there's zero cash flow. They've got 1099s that are sitting at home, not making any money. They're either furloughing or they're preserving cash flow. And so I think that simple economics are going to teach distributorships to say, I don't want to go through that again. And so one of the things that I think we're going to see is I do believe that most medical device companies are going to strongly consider medical distributorships versus W2 direct people. Blue check coming automatically the 15th and the 30th. So if I'm a new or an existing distributorship, the new mindset is, is let medical device companies do what they do best, which is innovate products and engage in product marketing and engage in education. And then the new responsibilities that you will have if you want to cut through the clutter is brand awareness, practice building should be done at the distributor or regional level. And so what will happen is, is that if you live in Chicago, Illinois, and you are serving the top orthopedic surgeons in Chicago, you're all part of the same tribe. You're building practices, you're problem solving. And what happens is you'll create leverage. Leverage becomes really important for distributors because if you are a distributorship that has the reputation from the most ideal KOLs in a particular geography, you're going to be courted by medical device companies. And so I think that what we're getting ready to see from a cash flow standpoint is distributors like our agency, you're going to engage in residual and passive revenue. I firmly believe that the most innovative distributorships, you're going to be selling software. You're going to be selling consulting services for trademark, IP. I know that that sounds kind of George Jetson age of the future, but if I was a distributor right now, I would be linking arms with brand strategists, lawyers, software companies, so that you've got a cash flow balance. You're selling products and services, but the truth is you're building practices. And if you can do that, you'll have more consistent cash flow. You'll differentiate yourself from the traditional model of, hey, we've got a lot of people locally that have relationships with surgeons and they're going to knock on the door and they're always going to show up at the operating room. I think, and I believe, because we work with surgeons, they are ready for that. I think that the traditional or the best of the best distributorships, you're going to have a brand manager. You're going to have a young tattoo kid that can take a $600 camera and you're going to record and you're going to get local media appearances for your doctors. You're going to help them to develop patient onboarding systems virtually for their patients. And so it's going to look more like my agency. But once you as a distributorship go down that pathway, you truly have gained freedom. You're no longer beholden to a manufacturer company saying, sorry, we can't give you our product. That's what I think. Well, thank you for that. Yes. And as we watch this change, and you know, one of my questions that you eloquently answered was, you know, what do you see the future of this space? I agree. I think this is, you know, as business will change with different things that occur, obviously with COVID happening, 
it's eye-opening to be on this side of it for myself to watch, you know, certain elective surgeries go to nothing. And what do your surgeons, and, and we're all talking about, I mean, obviously, if you're on LinkedIn, you can see the the back and forth that occurs every day of, of people talking about, you know, what is this going to look like as we emerge? And secondly, what do we do when this happens again? And that's important. Yeah, I think that it is important to them. And here's what I've learned because in essence, you know, my agency is a distributorship. It's just that we're selling products and services in a scope of work that falls under the brand moniker. But having said that, Here's what I've learned coming from a traditional orthopedic and spine background is that your surgeons, when they know that you have access to, you know, a fee, the agency, or you have access to a lawyer that helps prepare them to sell their private practice or have a succession plan, or there is an IP lawyer that you have access to so that as they develop a new technique or a new you know, product line extension, that they're protected, that they're selling patient review software, reputation management software. When you as a distributorship, Eric, and for those that are listening to me, when you take on that entrepreneurial hub and spoke model, then you truly are an entrepreneurial business and your chunks of cash flow come from different spaces and you can still sell systems and you can still sell set procedures, but that practice in a given location wants to be associated with you because they know that you're building their practice with brand awareness. You're doing content marketing, you're doing compliance, social media, all for a fee. And that's when it gets really imaginative for distributors. The average distributor today is banking on the fact that they have relationships And during COVID, the problem with that is, is that, you know, as more and more medical device companies streamline and rethink what that relationship means, you might as well go ahead and and form partnerships so that you're given locale, that you've got experts on call and you're getting paid, you're getting a clip for anything that contributes towards the compliant and creative growth of a private practice. Yeah. And to see what that's going to look like. And obviously it's evolving as we speak, but it's going to be interesting to see as, as, you know, maybe that's almost a little foreshadowing into how medical device companies and distributorships work in conjunction moving forward, not simply just an organization representing a product. It's probably going to go much deeper than that. And, And, you know, I firmly believe that. And I think that you and I are on the same wavelength hence the podcast to going back and, and being able to talk about these things. Well, I want to thank you very much, Matthew. I know your time is very valuable and this has been fantastic for you to go in depth on these, on these different subjects. It is a, a really a wonderful source of, of information. And I know that we'll be getting a, a lot of feedback from this podcast. Where should individuals go if they want to talk to you talk to people within feed, where should they go in order to do that? Yeah, I think the two easiest sources, number one, our website. So that way, if you're a distributorship or a device company or orthopedic surgeons, you can see case studies, portfolio, videos, et cetera. Just go to our website, which is feedtheagency.com. And then on the website, besides all of those, you know, 
frequently asked questions and, you know, case studies of how we helped others, you'll see a connect button. And that connect button will take you to a calendar link where you can set up a 15 minute chat. So that's option number one. Option number two is my name's Matthew Ray Scott, a nod to my dad, Daryl Ray Scott. So you can find me on LinkedIn. Just type in Matthew Ray Scott. Eric, as you know, my team and I were were active on LinkedIn. We're we're trying to, you know, basically share knowledge. When you and I, Eric, when we were cutting our teeth, there really wasn't anything like LinkedIn where you and I could could go on to a platform and learn from other people. And, you know, one of the commitments that I made whenever I went through the distributor ranks and whenever I started feed is I made the decision that I was going to do my best to share knowledge as generous as I could so that other people could learn, other people could contact and, and ask questions, because I think we all could have used somewhere along the trajectory of our career, somebody who was saying, here's what I'm doing, here's what I'm learning, here's where I've failed, here's where I've succeeded, and this may be helpful for you. I appreciate that because as I tell several people who call me and ask for advice, I can I can give you advice on several things that I'm doing that are successful and I can tell you exactly what not to do. I know exactly <laughs> what those things are. So I'm That's more than great happy. advice, Eric. I love that. I'm gonna I'm gonna borrow that. I'm not sure I know what to do, but I'm gonna tell you what not to do. I, and then I'm gonna I'm gonna source that to you, Eric. That's a good one. I haven't heard that one before. Perfect. No, no, feel free. Well then and lastly, I ask everybody who comes on the podcast this question that I don't prompt anybody. What if you are not Matthew Scott, Matthew Ray Scott, the principal of Feed, what would you be doing once you grow up? Yeah, it's a good question. Here's the honest truth. I would be doing exactly what I'm doing. I have no succession plan. I have no retirement plan. 2008, in the thick of a recession, when I started this agency, I was hunkering down, Eric. I was hunkering down and waiting for the storm to pass. And it was the wrong strategy. So in 2020, what I've learned is run towards the sound of the gunfire, run towards the thick of this, give away your knowledge generously. And it's a counterintuitive approach for people to seek out your counsel. So I'm not trying to be corny. I love what I'm doing. In addition to what I'm doing, we're writing books. We're creating online courses for distributors. We've got a new one that we're getting ready to publish called Medical Sales RX, seven steps to a seven-figure income. And it's designed for distributorships to pivot and understand the new changes and how to do that in a cost-effective way. So I know this sounds corny, but I love what I'm doing. Today's Monday, Eric. There is no place that I would rather be than right here in this little studio office that's you know outside of my house. And speaking to our team in Vegas and San Diego and Northwest Arkansas. So I love what I'm doing. That's great, Matthew. I appreciate that. And I somehow thought you would say that. So that's very good. I appreciate, <laughs> I appreciate, I appreciate I, I am, it. No, I am. I might say that I would be a plus size hand model. <laughs> so that's enough. That, I don't know if you can see my spirit fingers right now. That is going to definitely take the ad world by storm. But either that or a plus size hand model, one or the other. 
I wouldn't show those hands because you might have agents just ringing your phone off the hook. So don't do that. You know, you, Eric, you might- there's going to be a hangnail edition coming out next month that is going to really, really reignite the hand model career that I've been seeking. Well, that's good. I think we've got podcast 2.0 already scheduled. <laughs> yeah. Hey, thanks for your thoughtful questions. They were really good questions, Eric. Yeah, absolutely. And again, Matthew, thank you so much for your time. And again, for those in the audience, it's www.feedtheagency.com. And Matthew, thank you again for your time. And thanks for joining the Ortho Idea podcast. Thanks, Eric. Thank you. Thank you for tuning in to the Ortho Idea podcast. If you would like to learn more about the technologies discussed, please visit www.orthoidea.com.